This is Movies on TV Podcast Industries, and we are speaking about the latest MCU movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. Um, I don't know who you are, but you've made a big mistake, okay? I'm an Avenger. I've called the other Avengers. You're an Avenger? Have I killed you before? <laughs> what? They all blur together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer. It's Thor. We get confused a lot. Similar body types. Who are you? Just a man who's lost a lot of time. Like you. But we can help each other with that. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to Marvel. And we've just been to the cinema to see the brand new Marvel movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, the 31st movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the beginning of Phase 5 of the MCU. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Defenders. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yeah, Phase 5. We're into Phase 5. We are, we are. Yeah, Phase uh, 4 finished with uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever last year, and then had a little uh, add-on, I suppose, with uh, with um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, which we covered here, of course, on our Marvel Movies podcast, um, as well, of course, as, as we always do with our, with our movies. Um, and now we've had a massive gap since November, yeah. all the way through to now. Absolutely. Absolutely, but interesting choice as well for it to kick off in an Ant-Man movie. It like, is. I really do love Ant-Man as a character, and um, the movies I enjoy, mm. but it, it does feel a strange one. But I'm hoping it just means that Ant-Man, and in particular Scott Lang, is, you know, the more central figure here, Maybe. potentially, or, yeah. you know much bigger role because mm. came into the Avengers late. He yep. is an Avenger. And one of the um, founding members of Avengers. Yeah. So, you know, that would be quite cool, I think, because yeah. uh, I do like Ant-Man as, as a character and I love Paul Rudd as an actor. Mm-hmm. So I really hope um, that uh, this kickoff, I guess this, this moment of them opening or beginning phase five really has ant-man's character much more central yeah yeah absolutely well we will of course be talking spoiler filled in this discussion so make sure you've gone to see ant-man of the wasp quantumania before you listen to the podcast because uh, this will be spoiler filled we don't want to spoil anything uh, from this movie because there is a few things uh, that set up the future of the mcu uh, but if you haven't subscribed to the podcast pop on over to our website our brand new website yes tvpodcastindustries.com uh, where you'll find loads of subscription options on there you can choose whether you want to subscribe to the individual podcasts or whether you want to subscribe to the overall feed tv podcast industries where you'll get all of the coverage that we do on a regular basis right now we're covering three different shows at the moment on our main feed uh, the last of us star trek picard and star wars the bad batch so uh, so you'll have access to each of those shows uh, over on our website or the main feed tv podcast industries over there it's a lovely looking website now isn't it yeah absolutely um so head on over there to check that out there's also a few pictures of us mm-hmm. um, and it's a big big shout out to our supporters Absolutely. who have helped us to uh, get the website um, 
updated, mm-hmm. cleaned, I guess, looking yes. a little fresher, um, and certainly one that is much better for podcasts. Definitely. Uh, so absolutely big shout out to our supporters over on Patreon mm-hmm. and from Buy Me A Coffee as well. Yes, yes. The uh, the support that you've given us has gone to something very cool. Um, so I think it's time. Let's get into our discussion about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yes. Derek, uh, what are some of the movie details? Well, this movie, once again, directed by Peyton Reed, who directed both of the other Ant-Man movies. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. what I heard there recently, he is the only director in the MCU, with the exception of MCU plus Sony mm-hmm. with Spider-Man, who has done a full trilogy right. of, of movies. Yeah. So big shout out to Peyton Reed. Absolutely. Yeah, no other director that's done all three movies of a trilogy before. He's been the guiding hand throughout them all. And you can feel his touch in here, right? Definitely. It's, it, it, yeah. Absolutely can. He, he kind of knows the character uh, well enough by now. And I think he's got a good relationship with Paul Rudd uh, as well. So that's why they, he gets the most out of him, I suppose, for, uh, for this type of movie. Um, the movie is written for the first time, this time by Jeff Loveless. This is his first Marvel movie at Bush. And I think it's very evident and we'll definitely talk about it. Um, previously, he wrote six episodes of Rick and Morty, season four and five. Um, I will say this as my first kind of upfront point about the movie. As soon as we got into the quantum verse and I saw them meeting some of the characters that are in the quantum verse, I instantly thought of some of the episodes of Rick and Morty. I was going, absolutely. Oh, this does feel like live action Rick and Morty. And I'm wondering how that goes down with people that don't like Rick and Morty. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. You definitely, and, and knowing that Jeff Loveless uh, was involved in penning this, his first Marvel movie, mm-hmm. it, it really, um, you know, in, in a sense, bringing an entire realm, the quantum realm, yeah. with all the micronauts uh, mm-hmm. and well, to, yeah. to, to, to life, just totally different, uh, wacky kind of ideas out there. Yeah. It's in no better hands uh, for me as a rick and morty fan mm-hmm. so yeah really really good stuff and uh yeah interesting yeah yeah um once again just to talk about the stars of the movie the movie of course stars paul rudd as scott lang eventually lily back again as hope van dyne um jonathan majors coming on board as kang the conqueror we talked in depth about jonathan majors in his performance on lovecraft country where he was absolutely brilliant yeah a star was born during that series i think he's got two major movies out the series in creed 3 and of course uh, this as the big villain for uh, man of the wasp so lots of big things coming for jonathan majors and i think we could tell when we were watching him on lovecraft country how much he was able to deliver all the different uh, roles that were being asked of him in that show. Absolutely. We also talked about him for season one of Loki. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whilst he wasn't called Kang, it certainly was the introduction to the Kangs. Mm -hmm. And of course, in Loki, he was known as uh, He Who Remains. That's correct. But nonetheless, I think at the time I said, well, it's Kang. Um, So... Mm. Yes, we have uh, another Kang here. Yes, uh, definitely be talking about that one as well as we go into uh, into the further details of the episode. But back to the cast, Catherine Newton on board as the third actress to play Cassie Lang. Yes. Yeah, we know Catherine Newton from an excellent movie called Freaky, yeah. uh, which is kind of a take on Freaky Friday, but with... Um, with a murderous killer in in the middle, uh, which really good, really good. Go check that out. Uh, Michael Douglas, of course, back as Hank Pym. Michelle Pfeiffer in a wonderful role here, much more expanded role here as Jenna Van Dyne. Definitely. Uh, we see the introduction of William Jackson Harper to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Quaz. Uh, again, another great character from The Good Place. Uh, watch that show. He's excellent in that as well. Uh, we also get a little 
moment with Bill Murray in here, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, we see Corey Stoll back in this movie, and we have Katie M. O'Brien as Gentura, the warrior of uh, of the quantum realm. Yes. Yes. So we will, of course, talk in full detail about all the cast, I think, but great to have a, uh, this massive cast back uh, for this movie. Well, John, since we only came out of the cinema uh, after watching this movie, we kind of did borrow from uh, Wikipedia. So thank you very much, Wikipedia, for the synopsis for Out of the Wasp Quantumania. Do you want to tell us what they gave us, John? Sure. After the Battle of Earth, Scott Lang has become a successful memoirist and has been living happily with his girlfriend, Hope Van Dyne. Lang's now teenage daughter, Cassie, has become an activist whose activities result in Scott bailing her out of jail. While visiting Hope's parents, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, Cassie reveals that she has been working on a device that can make contact with the quantum realm. Upon learning of this, Janet panics and she tries to shut off the device. But the message is received, resulting in a portal that opens and pulls the five of them into the quantum realm. Scott and Cassie are found by natives who are rebelling against their ruler, while Hope, Janet and Hank explore a sprawling city to get answers. Hope, Janet and Hank meet with Lord Kryler, a former ally of Janet, who reveals that things have changed since she left, and that he is now working for Kang, the realm's ruler. The three are forced to flee and steal his ship. The Langs are told by the rebels' leader, Gentora, that Janet is indirectly responsible for Kang's uprising, having helped rebuild his multiversal power core after he was exiled before enlarging it beyond use. The rebels soon come under attack by Kang's forces, consisting of robotic subordinates led by Modok, who is revealed to be Darren Cross having survived his apparent death at Lang's hands. The Langs are taken to Kang, who demands that Scott helps to get his power core back, or else he will kill Cassie. Scott is taken to the core's location and shrinks down. He is nearly drowned in a sea of variants of himself, but Hope arrives and helps him acquire the power core. However, Kang reneges on the deal, capturing Janet and destroying her ship with Hank Pym on it. After being rescued by his ants, who were also pulled into the quantum realm, rapidly evolved and became hyper-intelligent, Hank helps Scott and Hope as they make their way to Kang. Still imprisoned, Cassie rescues Gentura and they commence an uprising against Kang and his army. During the fight, Cassie appeals to Modok's character, reminding him he wasn't only designed for killing. He doesn't have to be a dick, which convinces him to turn sides and fight Kang, though this costs him his life. Janet fixes the power core as she, Hank, Hope and Cassie jump through a portal home, but Kang attacks Scott, nearly beating him into submission. Hope returns as she and Scott destroy the power core and knock Kang into it, causing him to be pulled into oblivion. Cassie reopens the portal on her end for Scott and Hope to return home. As Scott happily resumes his life, he begins to rethink what he was told about Kang's death being the start of something terrible happening, but brushes it off. In a mid credit scene, numerous variants of Kang meet following the death of the one who was exiled and plan their multiversal uprising. In a post credit scene, Loki and Mobius M. Mobius are time-travelling together. They spot another Kang variant named Victor Timely in the 1920s after his last run in with a Kang variant. Loki is very, very concerned. A quantum-versal adventure. 
Indeed it was. <laughs> We've had a multiversal adventure. We have. We're now in a quantum versal adventure. We've had two multiversal adventures with Spider-Man and, and Doctor Strange yeah. in the multiverse of madness. A yes. multiverse, <laughs> quantumverse. It is timey-wimey, spacey-wacy. It is. It you is. Know? It really is. Yeah. Um, it's going to be that. And interesting, you know, up front, I do want to say, and I was kind of looking for it. I had my ears pricked ready mm. to hear it. We do have the thing that connects Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. And that is incursion. Yes, we do get that word. Uh, we yes, certainly John do. John has been making sure everybody's got their ears perked to hear that word, incursions, because uh, that could be where the all of the MCU is going. And it's mentioned at a point where we have a connection developed from Loki and the timelines branching off as well. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, we will talk about all of that and we'll talk about our favourite moments and our big moments uh, from Advent of the Wasp Quantumania. I think we should start, though, with the Langs, Pims and Van Dimes. Exactly. I think I called them the Van Dimes there. Uh, Van Dines. <laughs> Van yes. Dines. Yes, uh, because those are our central characters. And interestingly, we haven't seen this grouping in quite a long time. They all obviously had their cameos in, uh, in Avengers Endgame. And, of course... Um, Scott Lang was very, very crucial to the plot of Endgame. And, yeah. uh, but obviously with them all going missing, apart from Cassie during the blip, we haven't seen Michael Douglas or Michelle Pfeiffer in, in any major role. I was thinking about it throughout the movie, how weird it must be for Jennifer Van Dyne, because she spent 30 years in the quantum realm and now everybody's giving out to her for not telling them the story of what happened during those 30 years. But really, she came back and then disappeared in the blip for five more years. So I know they've had some time since, no, uh, I, since Avengers Endgame, absolutely. but it felt like she hasn't been back very long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it was really important to connect all these different characters mm -hmm. back together, see them interacting, you know, see what's happened as well yeah. after the blip. Um, and especially for Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne mm -hmm. and even Hope Van Dyne as well, uh, for sure. Yeah. Cassie, definitely. And I mean, I, I, I thought this was really critical. I mean, I liked how Cassie is in jail, uh, having to be bailed out by um, Scott. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a nice little reflection to him being in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of, you know, he Scott Lang was a good thief. Yeah. In this case, Cassie's been arrested for protesting, mm -hmm. activism, and so... And you know, shrinking down a police car. Well, that's true as well. So <laughs> she's, she's also fully aware of the tech as mm -hmm. well. So, I mean, the other big thing here is Cassie... She's certainly got the noodle between her ears mm -hmm. um, with from, from her dad, but also just with that... The grandparents and um, and everyone else around yeah. it, and with Hope being Scott's girlfriend, mm -hmm. then you know a lot of uh, influence here. So yeah, yeah, she used the PIM technology yeah. to to sh shrink down the the car, but also then she has been working with Hank uh, on this device as well that we yeah, see. Yeah, exactly, and and to to kind of echo the the comment you made, the parallels between this and the first. Our Ant-Man movie, the first one was Hank was pushing Scott Lang down the path from being a criminal to becoming a hero and taking on the mantle of Ant-Man. Here you do see that he's in the background kind of also pushing Cassie to yeah. to create and develop and, and work with the technology. So, uh, yeah, it's all it's all Hank's fault, really. Not Cassie's, even though she thinks it's her fault uh, throughout, <laughs> throughout the movie here. Um, but we also hear that 
Hope Van Dyne has become much more powerful. She is now the head of Pim Van Dyne, um, the new the new company. So she's yeah. leading it up. But she the is merging of families there, yeah, exactly. in business as well, potentially with the love interest with Scott as well. So yeah, I, I liked seeing this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But she's also become a real hero. She's going out into the world and using her. Um, power that she's got with this organization to help the world effectively so that's a nice big change uh, for Definitely. Uh, for the character but scott's kind of settled into i, I guess resting on his laurels uh, writing his memoir reading it to kids um and and <laughs> yeah. reaping the benefits of having a very Being successful mistaken for spider-man yes um, of <laughs> you name it yeah exactly i mean you kind of get that whole montage of him mm-hmm. making his way through his day yeah again i think it's a it's an it's a nice point you know this is really big movie it's phase five there's that connection it's like how he's you know the world has changed mm-hmm. um things are kind of weird yeah um but ultimately he's kind of it just shrugs everything off it, it, he's got I, I just loved how this monologue developed in his head as he's walking through his morning, yeah. getting his coffee, things that, you know, effectively taking him down a peg or two, like the, the Spider-Man reference and not mm-hmm. being recognized f- properly. Um, but also then, despite all these things racing through his head, it's almost like, oh, well, and he's kind of just yeah. keeps on going. So exactly. I, I guess that it's almost a happy-go-lucky kind of approach, which is... You know, in, in, in Avengers Endgame, it was that element. And I mean, there is that, uh, comedic side here to Ant-Man as portrayed in, in these movies. Yeah. And so, one thing I was yeah. quite surprised about, and I know that the book has taken the place of this, but I was surprised, given this is the MCU and it's all connected, that there was no mention of Scott Lang's podcast, um, which we know Miss Marvel was listening to. And that's where she knows a lot of the information about. The Battle for for Earth, which was uh, in Endgame. Um, so I was quite surprised that they didn't even mention that he does a podcast. That's true, actually. Just yeah. being that we're podcasters, yeah. we, like, we like hearing that they do podcasts. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess it may have just been the audio book, because we do hear him listening to that in the car as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but there you go. Um, that That's the, the family, I suppose. That's kind of the family dynamic overall. But we do see that it is Cassie's work with Hank that uh, very quickly sends them off into the quantum verse. This happened so early in the movie. It's within <laughs> it really the first did. 10 minutes, yeah. isn't it? It really did. And actually, I think I can understand when people talked about um the multiverse of madness being this roller coaster ride uh-huh. um with in a sense no let up. I think I I just felt completely consumed into this uh, sort of pulled down beneath yes. the surface. Uh, a bit like uh, the the Pims, the Van Dimes, and the Langs. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I enjoyed the ride though. But I can see that you know, not really knowing much, certainly around the quantum verse mm. uh, and those elements. Just so much information, so so many things to process. It was it was a roller coaster ride, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I really did. But yeah, it, it it's super quick into the movie where um, they get pulled into this portal mm-hmm. down into the the quantum verse I, I loved how that portrayed i love that you know you see all these ants getting sucked down uh with them uh, as that room is effectively almost like folded 
in on itself mm. through this portal down into the uh, quantum verse. Yeah, yeah, and then we basically spend the next uh, two hours almost in. Yeah. The quantum realm. Definitely. Um, let's talk about that as our next point, the quantum realm and its inhabitants, really, because uh, we do get to meet quite a lot of people uh, as um, all the characters get separated here. The uh, the the Langs are off on their own, uh, meeting up with uh, some of the inhabitants. Um, and I like that they overcome very quickly um, how to understand all the residents of, uh, of the quantum realm because they have this creature who's able to uh, secrete, I guess, some ooze that allows them all to understand each other. Yeah. So uh, so we start off with everybody shouting random things at Scott and he's not understanding what's going on. A really funny moment. Really, really good. It feels totally out of Rick and Morty. It's mm-hmm. like, if you need everyone to understand one another, how about drinking uh, the, the ooze or the blood, or the goo from mm. the blob that yes. doesn't have any holes, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh-huh. Um, I loved that um, character. I loved that species, um, a- along with Laser Beam Head as well. <laughs> I have no idea what they're called. I just really didn't catch it. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed those two um, members of this group down in the uh, Quantumverse. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, first off as well, for me, I think, I think the Quantumverse looks spectacular. Mm. You know, it it felt really, really psychedelic. I mean, I definitely hope that Jeff Loveless um, was taking some kind of hallucinogenic mushrooms <laughs> or, or, or something because <laughs> it feels like it comes from that mind. It felt very um, Sergeant Pepper's, Beatles. It, I love that kind of feel of just sheer manic craziness um, of this world. You know, houses that move Mm -hmm. and can battle. I love the retort to Scott Lang with, what do you mean? You don't have houses that are alive? Yes, exactly. Are all your houses dead? Yeah. (laughs) You know, really good. I love the kind of broccoli head as well. Mm -hmm. That was a nice little cameo of that character uh, as well. And Quaz as well, played by William Jackson Harper, who I really... Uh, really like i um, loved the idea that they continued to go with where he can read everybody's mind but really doesn't want to yeah <laughs> like please stop thinking about the whole number of holes in your body <laughs> definitely <laughs> you know. definitely uh, but no, it, don't I, think about that no no think about something else definitely but i mean visually absolutely stunning part of the sensory overload really um but i absolutely loved it in the same way as seeing you know the 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 two fly throughs really of the of um the different realms mm-hmm. and then the multiverse with Doctor Strange I I just love it when you see the imagination that comes to play from writers the CGI artists bringing those to life and the character actors and um, playing them I just thought it was really really good absolutely um it, it's interesting isn't it you know when we came out there from the cinema just talking about how you know, with now the multiverse, just the amount of CGI here, you know, there there is that element, you know, our podcasting has come from, you know, Gotham, but also then the Defenders on Mm -hmm. Marvel Netflix, street level heroes. And you're going, these are really epic visual movies that need huge amounts of CGI, totally new worlds, Mm -hmm. realms, places, um, being created and yeah. um, it's not as such for everyone and I mean I love this stuff mm. uh, being Doctor Strange fan I yeah. love all this um, off world outer space yeah. now 
in the quantum verse. Yeah. And this is really in my wheelhouse, but you know, Absolutely, for some yeah. people, potentially not so much. And well, I, I, I specifically said it. I, I kind of said afterwards that I really would not like to see a little street level vigilante show again for a little while. I, lo- I love a six episode show like that. You know, She Hulk, of course, being. A courtroom drama did provide a bit of that, but She-Hulk is CGI throughout the whole thing as well. And we got Daredevil in there, you know. Hopefully, the new Daredevil show will be much more street level again. You know, yeah, I mean, um, the, it's not. It's not that Marvel, I, I guess. It, yeah, you know, absolutely. There's definitely street level stuff, but Coming, yeah. not in the same way. I mean, you could you could almost say that with Moon Knight, it was mm. street level as absolutely. well. Uh, but that's dealing with supernatural, mm-hmm. ancient Egypt stuff. Yeah. But in in terms Mystics of the golf, likes yeah. of Daredevil from Marvel Netflix mm-hmm. or Luke Cage or Jessica, Jessica Jones or The Punisher, or you know, um, well, Iron yeah. Fist has, you know, they kept it quite street level, but they did keep it Netflix, street level. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the I mean, there's even a part of me that is kind of like, I kind of like that contrast as well. Mm. I, I, you know, it all being in timey wimey, spacey wacy, visually like whoa. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of that contrast would be useful now and again. Yes, yes. It is a lot, though. And I will say two hours in the quantum realm um, and the vast majority of the movie, really, there's two bookends that are outside of the, qu- the quantum realm, which are about five to ten minutes each. And I think it's a lot of time to spend in this universe. It feels like they're uh, almost trying to do like Star Wars in a sense, where it's an entirely new universe, and you're introduced to so many new characters in here. Uh, speaking of which, while you were speaking there, I did look up who the blob creature is. So that's Veb. Okay. Excellent. And we, the reason why I'm saying it like that, John, the reason why I'm really pointing that out to you is because that character is played by David Dasmalkin, who was in all of the other Ant-Man movies. Excellent stuff. And we were wondering why he didn't appear in this movie, even though he gets a name credit in there. But he does. Yes, he's Veb. He's the blob. Okay. Yeah. Excellent stuff. There you stuff. go. And uh, Zolom is the, uh, the, is the um, laser, beam. laser beam head guy. Okay. That's Zolom. Zolom and Veb. Yes. Excellent stuff. There yeah, you go. Because I really like those two characters mm-hmm. um, a lot. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, with... Uh, laser beam head or or, or Zolum. Uh, yeah. I, I think the fact is he just had. I think when he you could start to understand him, just the fact that I think it was in a real kind of deep kind of Scottish mm. Scottish yep. voice. Yep. Um, but it, he felt like he got a good amount of time, like Veb, and you know. So actually, his death at the end was really. Yeah, I, I was like, oh no, okay. I wish yeah. they hadn't killed. Um, laser beam head off uh, you know to be <laughs> so, honest yeah. but i mean just quickly coming back to the visuals absolutely loved them and mm-hmm. um, i think we we saw this in imax 3d mm-hmm. i guessing i think you didn't really have the same issue but i was getting very fuzzy vi- visuals yeah um, and if yeah. if i didn't have my neck in a certain position and mm. um, and certainly i think the last big imax 3d that we saw was Avatar Way of the Water. Of course. Which, I mean... I'm sure everybody saw that that way. <laughs> was a lot crisper. Yeah, he did spend, you know, 15 years of Elder no, I, I, seven I, years I, making I it, it. Yeah. so of course... There are reasons yeah. for that, but there were moments where it just can't... The resolution really seemed to drop on me. That You mm. know? it was, But, I, yeah, that happens in IMAX 3D movies where the IMAX is forced, effectively. But didn't happen in Avatar no. The Way of Water. And I think that's the challenge here. Marvel seems to be trying to compete on that level 
when they can't. It's not possible to complete compete with James Cameron's version of Avatar, whether you like the movie or not. The visuals in it are absolutely stunning. It's like going to see going to see a Disney ride. Yeah, uh, worth worth the price of admission, definitely. Um, so should they have? I think I, I feel for me, and, and I'm not you know not to. to overly give away my, my total thoughts on the movie i did enjoy it it was it was a good film but i think by spending that much time in the quantum realm you're asking your audience to really believe in this world and it's not visually stunning the whole way through it feels like you, they spent a lot of time in there i'd like to have had maybe some call outs to the real world to kind of give a little different view you know maybe back to his crew from the last movie the last two movies you know maybe having them yeah. doing something in the outside world so that you could have a little break for the eyes because i felt the amazing color palette that was being used was making my eyes feel really sore after an hour <laughs> or an hour and a half yeah, of it, you know? i didn't um, get that so much mm. but i i do feel like even how good the cgi is and it is good i mean yeah the, is, there's yeah. no doubt about it i think at this stage even now i can go well that's all cgi it, it you know having that combination of practical and cgi mm. you know sometimes you're like going is this ultimately a set yes it is yeah but then sometimes you're like going is it you know it, it's really difficult uh sometimes to wonder whether it is real and i mean they're in the quantum verse it's not yeah you know, it's supposed to be hyper reality um and you know different different dimension in effect Mm -hmm. uh, at the micro level so i did really enjoy it but you know with that amount of cgi it felt a bit like the star wars prequels of episode one in particular Mm -hmm. two where it just felt a little bit too much and actually having a bit of real something or other enhanced with cgi would have probably made it feel even more real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um but let's go back to some of the characters that yes. are within within the quantum realm themselves because that's where it really lives or dies, right? It, it, it can only matter if the characters matter. So uh so you you're right um love the characters here. Uh, Quaz was really really interesting yeah. as I said. I love the idea of him. Um Veb that moment where he did get some holes um <laughs> later on in the big battle where you see uh, that that he actually has other abilities he loves the idea of getting holds but he has other abilities to destroy people seemed a little bit like Groot uh in the first uh Guardians of the Galaxy movie where he just smashed everything around him when you yeah. didn't realize he was able to be that fearsome a, a, a warrior effectively that was quite cool uh Jantora who's the kind of female warrior leader of of this group uh very cool uh character I loved I loved her sword and how she was able to uh, split apart her enemies I thought that yeah. was really cool it was very good yeah um did you think there was a little uh, a little spark between her and Cassie? Yeah, I definitely thought there was a spark. I thought it was one of awe-inspiring respect and admiration right. for this warrior, um, you know, with such determination mm. and, and skills effectively. Yeah. And um, so I I think I think it was that side whether it was anything more, I don't know, but then I'd still feel Cassie is maybe, I don't know, 12. I still think of the younger version, <laughs> right, you know, with right. the ant in her bedroom. I, Get you. It's almost like dissociated because of the five-year blip. Mm. That It's almost like, well, here's a new person older. But yeah. The recollection of the immediate movie previously is yeah. of 
of her being effectively six or seven. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one to know. But yeah. maybe, yeah. But yeah. certainly the, the respect, admiration for this, like, absolutely killer warrior mm-hmm. in Gentora, for yeah. sure. I wonder if, she got, if the other trait that she got from her father, not only his engineering prowess, is not being a very good planner and being a little bit of a loser. Because like, yeah. I love that she breaks Gentora out and goes, right, What's your plan now to the person she's just broken out of prison? Exactly. And then just follows her plan. Basically. And it was like she did that, and then it was just like jaw drop, a uh-huh. bit like when Scott Lang first met the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, or uh, interacting. You, Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and interacting with the Hulk, with mm-hmm. the, the tacos, and effectively. He's absolutely in awe mm-hmm. of all these other superheroes, yeah. yet they're kind of thinking he's a little bit of a dud, in a yes. sense. Yeah. Uh, like, even Falcon with that fight that they have, mm-hmm. um, where he's, you know, going from normal size down to micro, you know, mm-hmm. using that skills to, to get one up on, on Falcon in yeah. that little tussle and or fa- fight, I guess. And Falcon's going to go on... Steve never needs to learn about this. Don't yeah, tell exactly. Captain America. Yeah, that's, He's gotten that's, beaten by Ant-Man. Exactly. That's always been the relationship with Ant-Man, that he feels like an outsider doesn't think himself that he's an Avenger. You know, we hear that in the beginning as well with Scott's kind of voiceover going, how does a guy like me become an Avenger, you know? Yeah. Um, which is why, obviously, he's got a successful book career. Um, so those are kind of the major residents of the quantum realm. And they effectively have all been brought together because of this new ruler of the quantum realm who's destroyed all of their homes all of their societies and they these are all effectively refugees who've been brought together yeah um to avoid um this new ruler of uh, of the quantum realm right and um, that's why they're that's why they're all disparate and that's why they all are, are from very different societies effectively but they're all trying to live together and trying to um survive yeah well i mean they are being Conquered. And I guess the other resident here is Lord Kryler, um, played by Bill Murray. I mean, it's a cameo in, in the, you know, the normal sense of the word. Mm. Um, but one with links, uh, to Janet Van Dyme, um, as well. So yes. I, I like that. It, it felt it just connected, uh, having Bill Murray here. Um, but things have changed. So we learned that Janet Van Dyme was, um, part of the 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 rebellion effectively yes. against this ruler mm-hmm. uh, along with lord kryler but it now with the time that's passed on he has effectively become um a turncoat mm-hmm. yeah yes absolutely uh it's good to see bill Murray in here um definitely very small role um i've heard he's quite difficult to work with i heard that you're not really too sure if he's going to turn up on the day or not he turns up um to film he's very professional when he's there but you're not really sure what day he's going to turn up but i have a feeling with michael douglas and michelle pfeiffer he may have been a bit more strict on his timelines because they're probably some contemporaries of his really from uh yeah from absolutely throughout the 80s so um so I, I i liked seeing him in here i must say I was expecting a little bit more comedy. Bill Murray I was expecting a little bit closer to um, Jeff Goldblum from the Thor movies. But okay. I think what he was delivering here was quite 
significant um, exposition about Definitely. what had happened with Janet during her time there. Uh, not massively serious. Don't get me wrong. There were still the jokes about the food to eat and you know the uh, you know drinking the the crazy shot that has a squid inside. You yeah. know, and there were still the the jokes about that, which is eventually what kills him. Right? That's yeah, uh, basically that's, uh, they, they they make one of them grow massive yeah. to kill him. So they use the uh, the yeah. pin particles on yes. him. Yes, but we also find out that uh, that Jennifer Van Dyne had a relationship with him. Well, she was in there for thirty years. Yeah, exactly. And he was the leader of a revolution. And, that's you know, and that's why the the change uh, that he's now a collaborator with this ruler is so much. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It, it's another touch point here with the movie, uh, such as when Cassie first reveals her device that can make contact with the quantum realm where you see the panic and the fear coming through on Janet Van Dyne. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's played so well by Michelle Pfeiffer, just this sheer sort of um, panic, anxiety, fear of making that connection because of the knowledge of this ruler mm-hmm. who is down there. Uh, and I, I think... Um, I think Michelle Pfeiffer is just really oh, good here. It feels excellent. like she, she was given a real good bit of um, dialogue to to really hold on to here. I really enjoyed her in this movie. Yeah, um, and she's oh, one of the absolute standouts. And it feels yeah. like you know, again, our generation definitely know Michelle Pfeiffer. She's in so many great movies back in the eighties uh, and nineties. Um, not as many over the years from that point onwards. She, she, there was some some great movies like Stardust that yeah. she was in, which was she was excellent in. But it felt like she was used as a cameo the last couple of movies that we've seen her in. Um, even in the last Ant Man and the Wasp, she wasn't very present. She was de-aged, so we saw uh, a de-aged version of Michelle Pfeiffer, and then she comes back at the end. And then obviously we haven't seen her really since we saw her in her cameo in, in Endgame. But here it's like the writer Jeff Loveless has realized what he has available to him. You know, Absolutely. he has Michelle Pfeiffer who hasn't had a big role in the MCU. Let's give her her story. This is really her story. What has happened to Janet? in the 30 years since she was gone. It is. I mean, actually, it felt more that Hope Van Dyme's character was less present Mm -hmm. and and, and the Wasp. Yes, there were moments where she rescues um, Ant-Man from his many selves Mm -hmm. um, as he's going to retrieve the orb. But I felt the presence of Hope Van Dyme and the Wasp in this movie much, much less Mm -hmm. um, than... um, Obviously, the second movie, mm-hmm. e- even though you know this movie still retains Ant Man and the Wasp as its title, yeah. So, well, she earned the right to have that absolutely. have that place as the title in no, the last movie. I, this time, it really does feel like she's in the background. Uh, no, absolutely, yeah. she absolutely earned the right to have it, and that's why it felt more strange that she, that there wasn't didn't really feel her presence mm-hmm. in it as much, yeah. e- even. The connection between her and Scott uh, as boyfriend-girlfriend, I just really didn't necessarily buy into that. It felt a little cold in terms of how it was being portrayed or delivered on the screen. You know, I'm going to say it here. I feel like Evangeline Lilly has no chemistry at all with Paul Rudd, which... Well, maybe... I, I don't know what that is. Like, you know, look, we don't know Paul Rudd. We've just seen interviews with him for decades now as well. Um, he's an actor that's been around for such a long time, and he always seems to be a person that people get on with. So I'm 
I have to say it's Evangeline Lilly didn't bring her game to this movie. I loved her in Lost. Yeah. She's great in The Hobbit. She was quite good in the last Ant-Man yeah, the Wasp absolutely. movie. I'm not a massive fan of the Ant-Man series of movies overall. I will, I will say that. But this movie just felt like she was out of it a lot of the time. She just wasn't there, wasn't present. And then when she did have big scenes, just didn't feel like there was any chemistry really between her and Paul Rudd and the scenes between Scott and, and her because they were supposed to be quite big. And I've literally just thought about it here and I'm sure our fellow defenders have uh, have caught this one uh, as we were talking. I feel like this movie is Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Wasp in that title is actually Janet. It's not Hope this time. Yeah. Last time was Hope. This time it's Janet the Wasp. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It could be that, absolutely. I mean, it just felt she was playing it much more kind of cold, yeah. frosty. Um, I didn't necessarily buy into their relationship exactly. and how it was portrayed on screen. Like I did in the evolution of it up to the end of the second movie. Yeah. Um, here it felt like there had been a step back and maybe that is to do with the blip. Maybe it's to do something along those lines, but but they're supposed to be no, happily no, in love and living together, absolutely. boyfriend and girlfriend, absolutely. for years now since the I'm blip. I'm just it, trying to yeah. you know wonder why. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we know there's the behind the scenes of her being an anti-vaxxer and not being vaccinated against COVID, and this movie was filmed around the time they would still have had COVID restrictions going on, so that could have affected the performance. Maybe, you know, maybe. that could have that could have been been it, but it was definitely noticeable this time uh, in the movie. We've veered wildly off yeah. our point to just about the quantum realm but it is our podcast we don't have to keep to our specific structure every time so that's fine but we do want to get on to talk about probably the biggest character in this movie and definitely my favorite character in here um jonathan majors as we're gonna call it out as the exiled one yes Um, it started to annoy me in this movie similarly to when we were watching loki when they kept referring to he over and over again and not naming him because he had been advertised as Kang, yeah. that we were being told that Kang was coming and his first appearance really was going to be in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, that the character that we saw in Loki wasn't really Kang. He was he who, remain, he who remains. He wasn't to be called Kang. And in this movie, I was going, just somebody say Kang, please. Somebody call them the name Kang. And what we really find out is by the end of the movie, he's actually the exiled one. Yeah. That is his title because... From the other Kangs. From the other Kangs, yeah, I guess, I guess. To differentiate between them, they all have their own little titles, it seems. But, I mean, ultimately, Mm. they are Kangs, and there are many of them, as we learn from the mid credit scene. But here, he is exiled to the Quantumverse. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, Jonathan Majors absolutely was phenomenal in every scene that he did. His presence is amazing. So good, totally believable Mm. as this Conqueror. Um, I loved the the moments, you know, the the backstory of why Janet Van Dyne is so fearful mm-hmm. of this connection that Cassie has made to the quantum verse, where you know both effectively lost in, in quantum and uh, banding together, but it is the moment where she helps Kang mm-hmm. to get his. His vehicle, his his craft back up and running mm. uh, with this orb of power, and realizing that it's um, she can tap into his memories because it's like a neural connection mm. that he makes in order to to travel through time across space um, in in his ship. Yeah, 
and she realizes that his he's been hiding that side of himself. He is yeah. a conqueror. Mm-hmm. He has been conquering worlds in many different places, mm-hmm. many different times, and that he has been exiled uh, because of the danger that he poses yeah. um, in uh, the timeline and, and across different universes. Yes. So uh, I, I loved how just that initial moment, you know, John's majors, it, it, it's, you know, it's like they're both lost. They, they've found one another, they're helping one another out. Mm. And you can see that he would be absolutely grateful and would have maybe made Janet his queen almost. Like, mm. you kind of got that sense that if she did this, which she did, you know, she could have had everything. Like, um, he he mentions to, to Scott if he can get the orb back. You know, you can have that time with your daughter back. Exactly. But Jonathan Major's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I loved of- how he just chewed up the scenes oh. um, from the 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 powerful conqueror to those intimate moments with Janet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the promise he makes to her is that he will put her back at the point that she left, meaning that Hope will never have lost her mother. Yes. And he put her back in the 60s when she when she disappeared. So, um, so that's the promise that he's made to her. And she doesn't really realize it, even though they're working together. She doesn't really realize that that's what he really means, is that he has control over the horizontal and the ver- vertical uh, for our old uh, listeners. Uh, might get that little uh, reference there. But no, he has, he has control over time and space. He's yeah. able to move whatever way he wants to. And he's been using that to his advantage to destroy and conquer worlds. Um, this is why he's been exiled to the quantum realm um and when she when hope realizes that of course she sacrifices the possibility of going back to her family in order to stop kang from doing this yeah i mean the 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 threat that he portrays Mm -hmm. and puts across is just really good i mean even it's that personal connection that he has with her as well yeah exactly and but even the quiet threat Mm -hmm. with the scene in in uh, his citadel after Scott and Cassie have been brought to him and, mm. and captured. And, you know, you, you see the power that he has and the threat that he places over Cassie in order to force Scott to help him. So yeah. I kind of really absolutely loved um, Jonathan Major's portrayal here of yeah. Kang. Really, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, he chewed every scene. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, to the detriment of... Of other people. Maybe. To yeah. some degree. I'm not saying it was like that, but he was just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it comes to the central you know, joke about the movie, which we'll come to later um, in that sense. But he was fine in this. Yes, you know, he, he was. was. Truly fine. <laughs> he was. He really was. Because it's even some of the words that he's saying, you're hanging on the words to try and catch the extent of what he's actually done because he mentions he's murdered adventures before he's killed them and wiped them out. You know, his, his first moment when he's talking to Scott, he goes, yeah. um, you're an Avenger. He knows who he is. Have I killed you? He's killed so many people across the multiverses and timelines that he can't even remember if he's killed Scott Lang before, you know, and we hear from Janet that effectively, if he goes back up there, what she, when she's touched his mind, she realizes his plan will kill trillions. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking like we are talking Thanos level threat here. Definitely. Yeah. Thanos level. 
And with that same superiority complex mm-hmm. as well. I mean, totally. I mean, as you say, killed Avengers before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, the superiority complex is so great. He does believe that he is killing ants. It's almost like treading mm-hmm. them underfoot, Very which is the central <laughs> irony as well of ultimately what weakens him to a point, almost brings him down, mm-hmm. is the army of ants. Yes that Hank Pym, you think he's been lost in the crash mm-hmm. uh, of the, the ship that's been shot down, but ultimately he rallied, you know, he's been, you just get that quick flashback to that he's hearing the, the communication between the ants coming through in his own um, powers. Yeah, they're uh, trying to find him. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to find him. Mm-hmm. And so the central irony is that whilst normally Kang the Conqueror is crushing worlds, and civilizations underfoot like ants. Mm-hmm. It is the ants that um, deal a massive blow yes. to his ambition. Yes. It's only after the movie that I kind of appreciated that. And right. <laughs> um, at the time, I was like going, oh, this is really silly. He's so powerful, and it's ants that have effectively brought him down. Yes, but, but it, it is a microverse. It is a microverse, well. yeah. and it's sheer weight of numbers as yes. well and they've been there for a, a thousand years they said yeah they've, they've, they've been evolved. able to set up a society yeah. and evolved to yeah but there was a moment so. where i was kind of annoyed that this <laughs> character was being taken down by swarming ants in the movie ant-man and the i Wasp. know we were, i know i know you were down about the ants i i know I, know. I I have to say one of the things i noticed throughout was how much they were clinging to the ant idea because it doesn't feel like the first two movies at all. It is about no, not the first two movies are about you know stretching big and getting small and yeah. being like ants and being as powerful as them when you're big and being as small as them when you're small and being able to talk to them and control them. Um, this movie was in the quantum realm with Ant Man, and I felt like there were so many lines that were thrown in there to underline ants, ants, <laughs> uh, yeah, ants control absolutely. things, uh, ants are strong. You know that they were trying to really make that connection. It felt like it was quite difficult for them, um, but. Yes, him being overrun by the ants was uh, was pretty amazing. But we also meet another major character. We're, we're going to leave the Exile 1 there. We'll come back to him in the final battle in our final point in a moment. But um, we also meet another character that I'm still shocked we got to see yeah. brought to life so well. Uh, we have to talk about MODOK on his own, as his own point. Yeah, I am so glad that they brought Murdoch here. And for mm-hmm. me, they completely pulled it off. Uh, whether it's because there was the TV show there with the animation, which yes. I really, really enjoyed um, with uh, Pat Oswalt voicing Murdoch. Mm-hmm. But I was really, really pleased with that. I mean, even down to the fat, stretched face <laughs> of Corey Stahl there. Yep. Um, it just I think it was really good. It worked. Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, you got the menace from Modoc as as that killing machine. And mm-hmm. um, you also got how, again, even though he is this butcher kind of right hand man of Kang, Kang is really dismissive of, of him. Uh, doesn't really treat him like a right hand man. Mm-hmm. It, it's more just you're the best killing machine after me, effectively. Well, yeah, um, and and. You you lead the other robots and the the army of robots yeah. uh, that I've created. Yeah. So well, he is a mechanized organism designed only for killing. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I must say, when that line was delivered in the movie, yeah, I 
was shocked at how well it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it, does, it does not feel like a name that would work in live action. Even the TV show, it's obviously treated as a complete comedy. Of course, there is the joke that, that it would be Modofk, uh, only, only for killing because uh, you do have to use all of the letters. So mm-hmm. there is the joke that they use in, in there. But but it still works really well. Corey Stahl does actually play the role very well. His yeah. arc is, is quite good yeah, in the movie. Yeah, um, the madness that's in there within him after being defeated by uh, Scott Lang in the first movie and him being um, himself exiled to the quantum realm and going crazy and then being turned into this, you know, this machine. So we, you see that playing out in the movie. Yeah, it, it totally works. Yeah. It really does. And um, even just the little jokey bits about his small arms and, and legs. <laughs> I only as just well. noticed the small arms. You know, yeah. it works on a kind of that, the brutal level of being the killing machine that mm-hmm. Modoc is. And then with the arc of almost redemption for yes. Modoc and um, at, with Cassie yes. being the, the lead or the initiator of that, you mm-hmm. know, that you used to do good stuff yeah. at my grandfather's company yeah you know you can still do that you made know. a choice to be a dick just yeah. don't be a exactly. dick. exactly <laughs> it was really really good yeah um, i have to say his death scene is probably my favorite in all of marvel so far um because of him he's able to contribute to uh taking down uh taking yeah. down kang um i love his final words really are i'm so glad i died as an avenger and scott's reaction to it going wait a minute what do you mean yes 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 you did in his dying moment scott gives him uh, his moment as an avenger yeah really really good Uh, i'm so glad this worked because i mean it is a risk as a character it it really is Mm. you know or or do you morph the character to kind of fit um so much it loses that initial reason, you know, from yeah. the comics or, or the design even. I mean, I just loved how they kept just, you know, the, the floating big head yeah. um, that kills with the small arms. I love that they kept that yeah. and in, in live action. So absolutely. for, for Jews. Well done. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. Uh, final kind of wrap up points really are the battles and the final moments of, yeah. of the movie itself. So let's come back to, uh, to the exiled one to, to Jonathan Majors and the final battle. So, so he is telling Scott that he will kill Cassie if he doesn't uh, restore this source of power to his, yeah. to his machine. Um, so there's two big battles that come out of this, really. Um, there's Scott battling against himself, um, when he goes down to the lower level of the, uh, quantum verse to retrieve the, uh, this power source. The orb. Um, I loved how this pl- played out, the multiple yeah. variants of Scott. Me too. Um, took a minute to try and work out exactly what was happening, why, why it was happening. It looked cool as hell. We've seen something similar to this with, in Doctor Strange, the the original movie, where he goes through a dimension which has multiple versions of himself, yeah. Um. So, he, so we've seen something like that before, but this kind of completely overcoming Scott Lang, seeing all the different versions of himself, all the possible versions of himself, all appearing at the same time and working against him yeah. to stop him achieving his goal. It's There's, linked to that orb. I, you know, in term, mm. we hear it that the orb creates that neural connection with kang it's almost like it's the closer he's getting to retrieving it this these are all the different thoughts Mm -hmm. this this is the the multiple representations of 
Scott Lang that, as you say, yeah. the different things that hold him down or pull him back yeah. or, or suppress him. It's every every single yeah. second creates a new possibility. You yes. can make a new choice, you make a new decision. So there's thousands of them here, and I love how, how it was there. It was great to see Baskin-Robbins, um, Scott Lang, yeah. who has never become Ant-Man, wondering why everybody else is dressed in these weird suits. <laughs> exactly. uh, it was a good, a, a good gag in there. Uh, but, you know, it's a hopeful moment again. There is a heart to this movie where they're talking about effectively all of these things overcoming you, pushing you back. And if you overcome them and have have you work together, all of your pieces of yourself work together to aim at a common goal, then you can overcome yeah. a major uh, a major stumbling block. So that's the the big moment for Scott that he has to overcome all the things that are dragging him back. And if he does that, then he's able to save Cassie. So uh, I did like that. Got a message that's in there. Absolutely. It and it's also, um, you and, know. And the, if you also have a flying girlfriend, it helps. Uh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and, and, and the message with the final battle with Kang is that, mm. you know, sometimes the evil is so great. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. It's the same with Iron Man in a sense, although Scott Lang doesn't die here. Ant-Man doesn't die. Um, you know the sacrifice that you have to make and effectively that's what he says at the end it's like i don't need to win we just both need to lose mm-hmm. it, it it's not the it's not the win win game it's not exactly. the win versus the loss it's the lose lose game that he's playing yeah. like as long as you don't win by getting out of here mm-hmm. you can kill me because that means i've stopped you you, exactly. You, you, you failed. Yeah. Even and though Cassie's you've safe as well. So, and, yeah. and Cassie is safe. You know, yeah. once Cassie is safe. So, whilst I said ants took him out, mm-hmm. eventually they weakened him for sure, yeah. certainly overwhelmed him. But it is through the rescue of Scott Lang, who's been cut off as these, the rest of, you know, Hank, Janet, Hope, Cassie have all gone back to the surface realm to Earth. Yeah. And. Hope is the one that comes back to to rescue him. So yeah. they open up this portal again so mm-hmm. that they can come and get and rescue Scott. So, But it's her that effectively forces him back into this kind of neural network where mm-hmm. he seems to get sucked in. And I have to say, with that final scene, once they're out of the quantum realm, replicating the start of the movie, and then in his voiceover you hear him saying, you know, did he die? Did we kill him? Because, you know, there's no body or anything. I was thinking, oh, you know, has he just gone into an even smaller kind of (laughs) micro, uh, nano kind of sort of form? Mm. Just because the thing that he went into seemed to be connected with the orb and that neural network, in a sense, that connects. But I think ultimately it is... You know, he he has been killed, and mm. it is also then, you know, as he's walking through here, he's saying, oh, but if we did kill him, um, but then he said terrible things would happen if, yeah. if I did kill him. Uh, and then, again, like at the start, he just goes, yeah, no, he's definitely dead, and shrugs, you know, shrugs it all off. Yeah, yeah, um, and, it, and it's kind of, this is the central joke of the movie, is why is Kang the Conqueror, the world stopper in an Ant-Man movie? Could Ant-Man actually beat this greatest of threats in Thanos? You know, that is the central joke of the movie. And when Scott's questioning himself, you hear him saying, hang on a second. He said really disastrous things were going to happen <laughs> if he doesn't get out. I made sure he didn't get out. Have I just killed the world? And then it was, yeah, well, weird things happen. I'm sure it's fine. Um, off we go. You know, that's just my life. Weird stuff happens, basically. Um 
so that is the justification why it isn't an Ant-Man movie. It's like they were pushing back against people criticizing a tiny comedy movie like Ant-Man yeah. having Kang in there. Definitely. But with the mid credit scene, we kind of get a big, a, a, a massive reveal, really. Uh, yeah, absolutely. As to, as to, you know, there are millions of different types of Kang. Yeah, no, for me, these were two of the best post credit scenes, I think, in a while. Yes, Something were, really yeah. to whet your appetite. Mm-hmm. Again, whether they should have been in, in the actual movie, a mm. bit more of this, who knows? But, you know, I really enjoyed them. I mean, I loved the Loki one. Uh, seeing, again, like with Janet, the fear on Loki's face, mm-hmm. See, seeing this other uh, Kang variant in the 1920s yeah. with Mobius uh, and himself. And I, and I love that there's that little discussion between the two of them. If you've seen Loki, um, you know, seeing the two of them together is is uh, is, yeah. uh, is really good. But that little discussion between the two of them where Owen Wilson's uh, Mobius is saying to Loki, but you tell me all about he who remains. This guy is no nothing like him at all. And Loki's kind of looking at him and going, no, this is something we really need to worry about. You know, yeah. and it is another variant of Kang. You know, the the reason why that mid credit scene works so well with Jonathan Majors playing all of these different roles is because of their uniqueness. You know, he is bringing something different. Like they have the three central versions of Kang all looking really unique, really different, speaking in different uh, yeah. tones and accents. And then looking out over another crowd of Kangs. And I think, uh, probably a little bit of speculation on my part, but I I feel like they're all being brought together because they will become the Conqueror, or one of them will become the Conqueror. Now that the exiled one is gone, there will be one Conqueror, one will take over uh, the universe. Or maybe they're working, they're all going to be working together, sent out to appear in every TV show and movie in the MCU from now until uh, until the end of the MCU. Well, until, that's it. Well, actually, sorry, from now until Avengers The Kang Dynasty, because yeah. that's uh, where we're but going But that's to. it. Like, I, I love that this reveal that there are multiple Kangs in all these different universes mm-hmm. across time um, that all are able to come together to have a chat about it, I guess, and yeah. the the one will rise to be Kang the Conqueror. Mm. They thought it was um, the one that they exiled to the quantum verse, mm-hmm. but he's now died. He's failed. He hasn't become the all conquering Kang. Yes, but I, again, and they're all they're, they're saying that they regret not being the one to kill him. Which yeah, is, uh, but that's the thing. Yeah. So I mean, my slight confusion here is it feels that they're trying to prevent. A Kang, because ultimately it has implications for them, mm. rather than only what you know, rather than supporting it, because you know he had notions of that, True. and so they exiled him, mm. maybe for their own safety more than any others. But yes. now there is, as you say, this. Well, there is a Kang here, and mm. you see the timelines, and again, that what's happening because of what. Effectively, what's happened on Marvel Earth six one six, you know, mm-hmm. in, in in that world. So, you know, are they all effectively lining up against Earth, or is it that they are now? Well, who's the actual Kang, and do we need to exile him? <laughs> so, I, I, I'm a little. I don't know enough about Kang, and that's my own right. fault. I definitely need to see how. 
I need to just look a bit further as to how that works. And maybe they're changing it up for the uh, for the MCU because ultimately I've always just been like, you know, Kang the Conqueror. The, right. The one Kang to rule them all. Well, exactly. But it, it's not like that. I think the, no. the way they're playing Kang in, in the MCU here is that his big strength is that not only... Does he know all about the multiverse, all about the quantum verse, all about all the timelines? He can also get in contact with himself across all of yeah, those timelines. Exactly. And if they're working together, how powerful could that be? Because look what that one exiled one did, how much he destroyed, how many trillions he was willing to kill. Well, exactly. And now we have all of these potentially doing what Scott Lang did in this movie, all working together for one common goal. That could be massively dangerous. Maybe that's the um, direction they're going. Yeah, that could be it. But then they've really got their work cut out to stop Kang. Yes, they do. Because it is, yeah, you're right. You know, the Avengers, it's the Kang dynasty. It is, yes. Um, so this, you know, makes it very much more about multiple when yeah. you start talking about dynasty. Well, if one Ant-Man plus thousands and thousands of ants plus all the realms of the quantum realm took down one Kang, then every single hero in the Marvel Universe has to come together to become a new Avengers to take down Kang. In the multiverse. In the multiverse, yes. Yes, there you go. That is uh, pretty much all the main points uh, from the movie. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to touch on, John? Um, I did just like the the joke about orifices and the number of them <laughs> with um, with Veb, uh, who was longing for a hole mm-hmm. and realizing that Scott Lang has nine. Mm-hmm. And you just see Scott Lang going, oh, yeah, he's right. Just like counting them up, going, <laughs> which ears, hole? Okay, ears, nose. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> really good. Really, really good. Really good. I also liked a very brief cameo that we got at the beginning of this movie from Randall Park, who played Jimmy Woo in uh, WandaVision. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. of course, in the last uh, Ant-Man movie, we got to see him having coffee with uh, Scott Lang in the beginning of the movie. Just a quick, brief moment, but it's just nice to have Jimmy yeah, Woo. Uh, just an appearance in there. That's what we want to see for all our uh, our TV characters from Marvel TV as well, appearing just in the background uh, occasionally so that we can keep them alive in our uh, in our minds while we're waiting for the next project from them, right? Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Uh, overall then, John, do you defend Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Uh, yes, I do defend um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'd give it three and a half wacky Lilliputians out of five. <laughs> um, like, I kind of probably just about uh, defend this. Okay. Like, there's a lot in this that I do really, really like. I love uh, Kang. I love his... We keep saying introduction, but I was like, no, he was introducing Loki, whatever okay. you want to... Yeah. But I love, you know, that sort of nefarious threat, that evil, all-conquering mm-hmm. uh, superiority sort of um, inducing Kang, you know. And Jonathan Majors just pulled it off and Definitely. seeing all the different variants of him as well and how he played them, absolutely fantastic. I think, um, you know, he is phenomenal in yeah. this movie. Um, I love the quantum realm. I loved the quantum verse, how it was portrayed. Uh-huh. Um, to an extent, a little bit saturated by it, but I loved how um, Hank Pym, I loved how Janet Van Dyne, 
uh, works here in this world that they've been to previously, mm-hmm. they know about, uh, and in particular, Michelle Pfeiffer. There's really outstanding uh, parts here. Yeah. I, I kind of loved getting to know at least um, Zolam and Veb of all these different <laughs> Micronauts, for sure. Um, I think Paul Rudd, for me, is great as Ant-Man. Hope Van Dyme, I just, yeah, it, I didn't feel it with her in this. I think it was um, an interesting choice for Marvel to sort of introduce Kang in this way in an Ant-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of central, almost meta type joke uh, at the end, did they pull that off? I, I just don't know whether they did because mm. I do feel it was slightly... Um, at odds with Kang and Janet Van Dimes and, and even with the Loki end credit about this fear and then just having it almost having a, 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 an Ant-Man movie in the same vein a little as the first two in terms of that lighter touch sort yeah. of almost running alongside it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I liked though how Paul Rudd did cross those, um, uh, that, that, gulf that i thought and i think he did that really well and just think maybe it needed a little bit more than it being centered around cassie i get it she is the world to him mm-hmm. uh, and that's the most important thing it's been the last three movies yeah, yeah but at the same time you're almost going it is feels almost at odds with captain america's view on how you know it's the greater good mm. it, it still feels as though scott lang is very much because it's aligned with what he needs to do, mm-hmm. not the wider purpose. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know, even Iron Man, from a different perspective, had the wider purpose. You know, we needed oh, to yeah. build a shield around the world. Yeah. So that, to me, it, I don't think it was fully pulled off for me. Okay. Um, and I know immediately coming out of the movie, I just didn't really know how to place it or what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. But it was that... I loved how the quantum verse was portrayed. It was wacky. It was crazy. Um, and I enjoyed a number of those micronauts. Uh, and I loved Janet Van Dyne, Hank Pym. Quantum knots, John. Quantum knots, yeah. indeed. Yes. Uh, I loved how, um, Janet, Hank were that, uh, and Jonathan Majors, they just felt like the movie that probably needed to be there mm-hmm. for the reveal of this. And I don't think the, yeah, the central thing didn't work, didn't quite come together. But I enjoyed the... surrounding the thing. Didn't yeah, work. but, yeah. I, I, but yeah. I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. I would watch it again. Yeah. So I do defend it, um, but it's, it's a really interesting choice, mm-hmm. um, I think, for Marvel here. And fair enough, take those risks. They've earned that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd give it three and a half wacky Lilliputians out of five uh, for me. Derek, uh, what did you think of Quantum Mania? Yeah, I'm kind of the same as yourself. I'm not too sure whether it's the greatest of the movies. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed most of my time there. It was a, it was a fun experience. But as I said, that that going head to head with a massive special effects blockbuster like Avatar just a few weeks ago almost makes it stand out that. You can't accomplish that level of special effects in the short period of time that Marvel give these movies to be made. 
Um, they spent a huge amount of money on this movie. I know that, but I wonder if just having a bit more time outside of the quantum realm to set up the characters, because it is their movie really, um, would have helped, you know, spending that amount of time in the quantum realm was just a little bit too much for me. Yeah. So to your point, I did feel this kind of was more of a Janet Van Dyne goes back to her past in the quantum realm meeting uh, Kang and yeah. her and confronts her history as a freedom fighter and the family are brought along for that. That felt like the movie and it 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 seemed like they were trying to squeeze it into an Ant-Man film because traditionally the Ant-Man films have been much smaller stories about family um, and this blows it wide open to try and encompass this massive idea of Kang. So I'm not too sure whether it was successful, but I think it does really lead into the rest of what we think we're going to see across the rest of the MCU. Yeah. And what that means is hopefully looking back on this movie in the future, you will see the seeds of what's being set up. Absolutely. Uh, spending this amount of time with Jonathan Major's exile one in this movie, um, hopefully will pay off as we go on in the future. And hopefully we will see more of Scott Lang and Cassie uh, and and, uh, and Hope and Janet uh, in the future and, and Hank, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, actually, we didn't really come back to the, the reference to the incursion uh, with the changes in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And you do get the sense from the uh, mid-credits scene mm-hmm. and even just Kang, whether it's just for his own self aggrandizement mm-hmm. or and glorification that he needs to get out of here to you know, you know otherwise terrible things will happen mm-hmm. and the terrible things that they're referring to are these incursions right and if we go back to Doctor Strange and the yeah. Multiverse of Madness they explain there that that's universes coming in from other universes crashing into each other and destroying both the universes yeah. that's an incursion effectively so on, so. on the face of it Kang's that's rationale mm-hmm. that they want to stop the incursions because that will kill off universes uh-huh. um, seems pretty decent of him you know but But. (laughs) you know you know that that's not the whole story but Mm -hmm. nonetheless here uh, and it's even that they must stop the reasons for that which seems to be centering around earth 616 Mm. marvel's earth 616 yep so but nonetheless i love this idea if this is where they're going Mm -hmm. i am more convinced now than ever if not you know, a good 90, 95% certain that they will take us down a secret wars path. Mm. Uh, and maybe Kang is instead of Dr. Doom or something, but nonetheless, I think Dr. Doom has a place to be there as well maybe. with the introduction of Fantastic Four. I 100% believe this is how we're getting the Fantastic yeah. Four in here, without a doubt. Uh, rumors that casting is just about to begin for Fantastic Four at the moment, so uh, that will be likely to be closer to uh, the Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, which is coming out in a few years' yeah. time. So um, before we go on to feedback, just to uh, just to kind of lay out the path now for the rest of 2023. We're only in February. This is the first Marvel project of the year, effectively. Uh, confirmed uh, this week, the next movie coming out is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, um, expected to be really focused on the Guardians and their yeah. last uh, the last time out there, so they're not going to play a part in the future of the MCU, apparently. Um, so, unlikely to be really connected to Ant-Man and the Wasp, not likely to have Kang in there. Um the Marvels has just been pushed out from its July slot to the end of the year. It's been it's been pushed out to November of this year. Um, 
that one is much more likely to be connected yeah. to this. It's a, a, a space adventure which, which is bringing three major characters together um, in space. Ms. Marvel, Spectrum, who we saw back in uh, in WandaVision, and Captain Marvel all coming together in that movie. So uh, that's a much bigger movie. So yeah. expected to see that towards the end of the year. But now move to November. Um, two confirmed TV shows of the possible six for this year. We're definitely getting Secret Invasion and we're definitely getting Loki Season 2 coming out this year. Uh, the others, still not sure. They may have pushed them out to next year. There was an interview with Kevin Feige yeah. this week where he talked about uh, wanting, to stretch, wanting to move those shows out a bit more. Yeah, he um, wanted to give the shows more time to breathe and have that limelight yeah. for themselves. Yeah. I think certainly felt last year we were going from one Marvel TV show to the next mm-hmm. and very rapidly there's the huge amount of concentrated buzz around Miss Marvel yeah. and She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and it almost just sort of falling off a cliff edge. So, I mean, I definitely see his point there. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, maybe then we're going to get fewer Marvel TV shows this year. Yes. But maybe it is just the two. Possibly one more could be added in here, yeah. but certainly... Well, there's What If Volume 2, yeah. There's um, which is supposed to be coming this year. There's Ag- Agatha Harkness, uh, Coven of Chaos, is yeah. that it? Um, that's supposed to be coming this year. There's Ironheart, who we've had the introduction of Riri Williams in, in uh, Wakanda Forever. They were all supposed to be coming out this year, and I, th- I think there is one more that's just dropped out of my brain uh, at the moment. But that, again, would be a massive amount of content and to have no release dates for any of them in February, the end of February now, is a bit of a surprise. But my understanding is we're definitely getting Secret Invasion. We're definitely getting Loki Season 2 because those two are really important to the movies uh, as well, especially now that we've just had a closing credit scene with Loki and and, uh, Mobius and Mobius as well. So, uh, And, of course... I just want to repeat again, Secret Invasion starring Nick Fury. So I'm most excited yeah, about that. Really looking forward to that. I can't wait that. for that. Yeah, really <laughs> and it, looking forward yeah, to that. And that'll be a bit more grounded. As long as it um, doesn't come out whilst we're on holiday. That's true. That is that the is main true. concern. Oh, that's, that is, uh, yes, because of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out on the 5th of May, and that is the day we come back from holiday, right? Yes, that is correct. It is. So, uh, yeah, it's a possibility that. Um, that something will come out between now and uh, <laughs> and when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. But that's kind of the slate for the rest of the year. I don't think I said, um, I would say to go and see this movie, and I will Absolutely. go and see Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp Quantumania again, but I, I did feel it was just a little overwhelming it being entirely in the quantum realm for 99% of the movie. It even felt like that little wrap-up at the end, I would have liked a bit more time with them uh, since this is their movie yeah. and we're not going to see them again. As this group, I would have liked to see uh, see them all together uh, at the end a bit more, just understanding what's definitely. going on in their lives. Yeah, um, but uh, they, there could be an Ant-Man 4 in the future, I suppose. There's yeah. no, no reason why not. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Good stuff. Let's go on and find out some thoughts from our wonderful fellow defenders. Yep. Uh, first up, we have an email from Coffee and Vodka. Greetings, fellow Quantum Court defenders. First, it feels good to be back speaking with you about something we can all enjoy. Mm. This was a fantastic romp, hearkening back to phases one and two, before everything became so disjointed. An all-powerful MacGuffin character development for Scott, Cassie, and Janet. Great effects, decent writing, a comic-accurate MODOK, Mm. great direction, and a special appearance by Bill Murray. This and the Marvel patented gangbusters ending, which She-Hulk accurately made fun of, Uh. but that I still (laughs) love, absolutely. It wasn't all great. 
The threat of Kang was dialed back and forth depending on the needs of the plot and script. Had he been written as a proper Kang Prime, he would have anticipated most of our hero's actions and wiped the quantum floor with them. Other plot holes as well, with anyone possessing shrink and grow discs being allowed to keep them while in captivity, Hope and Hank being mostly window dressing and part-time support characters and so on. In short, not a perfect movie, but a well enough constructed and fun one. Finally, I love the message directed at the Boomers via Darren Modoc, showing them they can somehow still redeem themselves. <laughs> all in all, a great return to form. For can clusters, powerballs, and incongruously congenial hanks out of five. <laughs> Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. I think Hank's always been congenial, hasn't he? Nah, he's a bit grumpy in the first Yeah, movie, he is he? a bit yeah. grumpy. <laughs> Good stuff. Great to hear from you, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks yeah. so much for your thoughts about um, and the Wasp Quantum. I'm glad you really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, I think you're reflecting ha- you know, my thoughts mm-hmm. uh, on, on the movie here. Um, and I, I think definitely, yeah, not a Kang Prime. Uh, that became evident by the, the, the mid and, and end credits mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, I, I just wonder, though, if Kang Prime is all-seeing, all-knowing across time and space. Mm-hmm. Is there? Who can actually beat him? Um, yes. yes. I'm, but I, I feel like all of them combined together is Kang Prime. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. I don't think there is a Kang Prime. I think uh, Kang is all of them working together. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe Galactus needs to come in. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know. Maybe it, the world leader will come in. Good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, we also got some feedback over on our Facebook group. Um, you can head on over there to leave your thoughts and comments about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Dan Lee says, I feel like such a misery, but it's another meh for me. I find myself missing the old phases massively. There have been precious few hits for me over the last two years. Hmm. Interesting stuff, Dan. I mean, I think, I think it's what we were talking about. You know, if you like the space, um, multiverse or or magical or the magical dimensions and um, say from Doctor Strange or you're into the quantum verse um, or the savage land mm. um, you know there, there's so many different worlds in in Marvel comics and you know it's not to say that you're saying you don't like the different worlds but you know sometimes you you're kind of wanting I think, like we were discussing, yeah. you you want the street level hero, absolutely, uh, something you can really maybe just connect to. You understand the reasons behind it, um. So, um, do you know, I I definitely get your point, and I, I think that's valid for you know for people for sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I love Doctor Strange, but if you don't like that stuff, yeah, and um, if it doesn't float your boat, then I 
guess it can be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not as into into that as as you are, John. And I do think that's one of the things I'm missing at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, I but, can get that. But yeah, hopefully uh, for me, Secret Invasion is the one I'm holding up as being a little more uh, street level. But of course, that does deal with uh, shape-shifting aliens yes. as well. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Go. Good stuff. Thanks, Dan, for yeah. your feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well on this movie or any of the shows that we're covering. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts on anything that we're covering. As I said at the moment, um, we are covering The Last of Us. Star Trek Picard and Star Wars The Bad Batch every yeah. week at the moment so uh, get into your thoughts about each of those episodes as well yeah absolutely um, and again thank you so much for your support uh, please subscribe share the podcast because sharing the podcast is of course sharing the sharing love, the love. Yes. Uh, you can support us monthly through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries mm-hmm. or you can support us for a one off amount over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. So any which way uh, is very much appreciated uh, by ourselves mm-hmm. uh, here Absolutely. at TV Podcast Industries. And thanks, of course, to all of you who have supported us over there. You have supported our brand new website, tvpodcastindustries.com. Pop on over and check out how it looks. Yes, and our new hosting as yeah. well through Red Circle. Exactly, exactly. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back in the cinema for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May. But you can also join us, of course, for all the shows that we're covering on TV Podcast Industries. Yes, thank you so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us in the cinema for uh, Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. In the meantime, enjoy the movies, uh, but we'll see you again soon. Keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Bye.